Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. What a morning. What a sunrise. I swear to God, I was came in on the bus this morning and I was walking up over Patrick's Bridge at exactly the right moment. I posted it on my Twitter and on my Instagram this morning. Exactly in the right moment, I was walking across Patrick's Bridge and I saw the sunrise and I stayed and I stood and I watched and I got out my phone and I took some pictures and I had a lump in my throat at the sheer beauty of what was before my eyes. It was just incredible. Whoever wrote the song, Beautiful City, I, I must, they must have written it at, at that hour of the morning. My God almighty, what a gorgeous spring morning it was. The kind of morning that would put you in good form for the rest of the day. Good form that you couldn't even be sort of affected by this kind of open defiance. The Guardian have asked me to convey to the organisers that they would prefer it be cancelled. And I've, I've done that. And the answer is negative. It has not been cancelled. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Also, good form from the numbers. We are now the lowest in the country in terms of cases among our population. Only marginally, only by a hair's breadth. There's not even half a case in it. But we have gone to the bottom. We are the lowest in the country in terms of our transmission numbers and I'll go through all of those and we're well on truly on target to be at what is effectively zero COVID in Cork by Easter. What happens after that, as we said before, is anybody to get. But there you go. 1850-715-996, the number to call, the text to WhatsApp, 083-396-9696, the email, opinion at 96fm.ie. Friday morning, the 5th of March and it's a month since a man called Adam Sheehan from Seamus Murphy Place in Mallow was jailed for five years. He was jailed after he pleaded guilty at Cork Circuit Criminal Court to robbing a man called Seamus Troy on Railway Lane, which is off Brian Baru Street, just down there by the train station. Seamus was on his way to the train station to get a train home after a hospital appointment at CUH. Seamus Troy is 47, a temporary hurler back in 1989 and 1991. He'd been to the hospital for an appointment. He was on his way back to the train and this thug battered him with a crutch, beat him so hard with a crutch that he broke the crutch off his head. Seamus Troy has still not recovered from this, as you would imagine. A month ago... Sheehan, who's 26, was jailed at Cork Circuit Criminal Court for five years. Well, he got seven years with two suspended when he appeared before Judge Sean O'Donovan. Now, Seamus Troy is not happy with that sentence. And he wants it looked at again. He wants it reviewed by the DPP. And he wants to get out there his unhappiness about the sentence. So I spoke with 
Seamus Troy for the opinion line last evening. Seamus, thank you very much for speaking to us. It's been a month or so now since the case. How have you been since since the case all came to an end? I am waiting on the uh, chrome in Limerick for the operation on my neck on C C two and three in my vertebrae. So you're still undergoing treatment? Yeah. You sent me some pictures and, and they're horrific. Your recovery has been slow and painful, I think. Oh, savage. And even for my kids, it has been unreal. Even my 14-year-old daughter, she wouldn't see me for three months because of it. <laughs> he even took my jacket, my shoes, dragged me up the ground. I looked up to him. I said, I have three kids. And he said, I don't give what you have and the kid beat me in the head then he knelt on my back and put three kinds down my throat my eyes were closed for six weeks and when my son came to the hospital he asked the nurse where's my dad and he, the nurse said he's there and he said it's not my dad he didn't recognise me the guards came to see you in the hospital after the assault, yeah? They did, yeah. Yeah. And they were obviously wanted to take a statement, is that right? Yeah, they took a statement. I gave my statement. So I did. And he asked for a blood sample from the nurses. And he said, can I get authority of you to get a blood sample? I said, you can. So I wanted to check it for drugs and alcohol. And I said, no problem at all. You said that you felt a little bit intimidated when the statement was being taken. Why was that, Seamus? Because the questions that I was asked, did I know him? Had I drugs taken? Had I alcohol in my system? And there was no drugs or alcohol in my system. I never met the man before in my life to assault me. Never seen him before in my life. And I said, no, I did not. Never met him before my life. I had my bag hanging off the crutch. He grabbed my bag, ran around the corner, next to him around the back of me, pushed me to the ground, and broke the crutch off me. You poor man. Someone, someone came to your help, did they? Someone... Did you? Do you know who that person was? Never met him before in my life either. Only for him, I'd say I'd be dead. Were you fearing for your life at that time? Oh, yeah, savage. It was, you know, unbelievable beat. He was an animal. You know, to break a crutch off someone's head. My eyes closed for six weeks. The guards had the whole place cordoned off because the heart was mortising. It nearly was, when you think about it. Oh, it was horrific. When your son and daughter comes to the hospital, they don't know you. It's not. How are you coping now? <laughs> I don't leave home. 
Ja, då var det lite om. Så jag sa Only for doctors of hypens and this. But don't keep home otherwise. And is that because you're afraid? Yeah. You're afraid something else would happen? Yeah. And you're a young man, you're only 47. That's a terrible way to be. And have you help, Seamus? No. What's up? No help for no one. No one gave you a bit of counselling or offered you a bit of counselling? No. No, even... I remember the Archie Connor in Limerick was on to me. And she said, I, sh- this, I should have got help, I should have got counselling. And I said, I didn't. Nothing. Not a thing. No counselling whatsoever. Because you definitely need some help, and you need some help with what you want to do now, which is you want, you want the DPP to have another look. Yeah, I do. If you had points, you get longer off the road. Then what he's going to do now? And he had twenty previous convictions, and was a warrant out for his arrest when he assaulted me. And when the girls found him, he had my blood on his pants and he had a crutch and he's swinging it. I've contacted the guard, contacted the DPP and they're not putting the case back into court. I don't know why. The sentence was lenient. The sentence carries 10 years. He does three. Yeah, he got seven with two suspended, which means five. Yeah, but he'd lose three because of good behaviour. You have been diagnosed, I think, with with post-traumatic stress as a result of all of this. That's correct. Dr. Skilly in Limerick is my doctor. It was a terrible ordeal, what I went through. Especially for me, my mother, 84, and my kids. The judge did say it was a very, very serious attack, but you're still, you still feel that he should have given a, a tougher sentence? Yes. The sentence carries 10 years, and that's it. And when he gets out, who's the next victim? So that's what I'm looking at. I just think the justice system is brutal. Yeah. Absolutely. So I just can't understand it. Yeah. You clearly need a bit of help and support, Seamus. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt, I do, yeah. Oh, I'm being honest in that. I'm not going to lie in it. Do you think you'll ever recover from this? No. Yeah. No, I'm still in crutches, even. Even now? Yeah. Because of my balance, it's gone over the bone, broke my neck. How are your kids? How old are they? Uh, Becky's 26, James is 24, uh, Nicole is 21. And Carol is 14. 
And how are they doing? How are how are? How? Obviously, this took a lot out of them too, you know. Oh, it did, yeah. Savage. They're not doing well, to be honest. Though James is very angry over it. I'll be honest with you now. My son went to the guard barracks at night, and three guards came out to him, and he said to him. I'll give you 2,000 euros if you let me into the cell for 10 minutes. Yeah. Which, of course, they couldn't do, but you could see where he no, was going. No, they couldn't. Of course they couldn't yeah. do it. No, they couldn't. But you could see where he was coming from. He wanted to stand up for his dad. Oh, I did, yeah. Seamus, you're a, you're, a, you're a brave man, and I really do hope that something works out for you and that some help can be got for you because you're clearly doing you need somebody to talk to don't you oh yeah without a doubt there's no there's no there's no questions there I'm not going to deny it as I told you the guarantee give me no help I'm not going to send out letters to me victim support me arse they're telling you it's there I suppose are they contact them they say I contact them and they say well this is the situation it's not come back into court and I contacted the DPP and he said well his solicitor said that or one of his solicitors said that uh, a case of Deltrus it's not come back to court but you're, you're not prepared to let that rest no I'm not that's why I want it out in the media yeah. Seamus, you're a very brave man and, and I wish you well for the future and thank you so much for speaking with us today and look after yourself now. No bother at all. Thanks very much indeed. I really appreciate it. Seamus Troy, who I spoke to last evening for the opinion line. It's hard to know where he goes from here. The Their particular charge that Adam Sheehan was facing carries a max, as Seamus was saying, of 10 years. He got seven with two suspended. He had pleaded guilty, so you always get a little bit suspended when you plead guilty. Plus, he's been in custody since last May, so three years is probably the most that he'll do if he behaves himself behind bars. And Seamus is adamant that that's not enough for what was inflicted upon him. I don't know what you think. Uh, The law says ten. The judge said seven knocked off two for the guilty plea and he'd probably do three I'd like to know what you think at 1850 you have to feel for Seamus though he's a broken man He's a, and I don't just mean battered, he's a broken man and he needs help The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids The place to order your 211 Toyota See lehanmotors.ie This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM Well, if Seamus Troy could read the outpouring of care and support and warmth on my screen for him after listening back to that recording, I think he'd be, he'd be a little happier, but it still doesn't progress him any further than he wants to go. Um, But he is clearly broken and clearly 
devastated. Sally Hanlon runs and has run for many years support after crime victim support services. And Sally, I know as an old friend of the show that you don't want to talk about individual cases and we fully and completely respect that. But you can also understand, can't you, where someone like like Seamus is coming from and how they feel at this point in time. Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. I certainly listened to that with interest and I know Seamus and we have given support initially after his assault. The guard who was dealing with him in court referred him and we linked quite a lot with him. We gave him assistance with his victim impact statement, but he's a broken man. Yeah. He's a broken man. I mean, he's a lucky man to be alive with the injuries and the violence and the viciousness that was put on him because he was just discharged from hospital. He was on his way from hospital to go home when that happened. And thus the crutches and even he had the tag on his hand, the hospital tag, that she and man could see that Seamus was very vulnerable. Yeah. To the ultimate predator's target, really. Yes, yes, yes. Now, Seamus is is a broken man. I don't know how long it'll take him to recover. He did bring bring me a photograph, a photograph of when he and won his All Ireland medals, um, of which he had two. And it wasn't like looking at the same man, even though it was only a number of years ago, sure, 10 years before that. So uh, I I suppose there's there's a few things, Peter, like there is no government compensation for the likes of Seamus, uh, who are, are victims of unprovoked assaults and other crimes where there's physical injury and where people can no longer get back to their own life. There's no money there for pain and suffering. And indeed, he possibly will not get it from his offender. Uh, And that's something strongly about. The Criminal Injuries Compensation Bureau is there for out-of-pocket expenses, but not for pain and suffering. And, And that's a pity. You know, yeah. in genuine cases, yeah. is a pity. And this is a man uh, who's now afra- he's afraid to, to to leave the house, and he has a PTSD diagnosis. You know, you probably see people like him all the time, Sal. People who are just like you say, broken. Broken. I would describe him as being one of the most broken people that we've come across. I think. For, for Seamus, he had his glory days and he was well recognised and, you know, for, for his achievements. And now he's nothing. Like he's housed in his house. Uh, when we met him anytime we met him, we met him with his son James. And he's a lovely lad and a great help to his dad. Um, and he's only 24. So, like, he was giving up all of his time to to go to come up to the doctors, to come up to the courts, come up to the solicitor. So, like, he was certainly a great uh, aid and support to Seamus. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't think Seamus will ever be right. Um, my prayers would be that he will make some forward recovery. But it's so unfair, PJ, isn't it, that you can just be walking along the street and some tug 
for whatever reason, whether they think they're going to get a bob off you or they're going to get something, will beat you to that extent. I mean, he broke the crutch on him. He pinned him down around the neck with the crutch while he continued to kick him. And then he took his crutches and his shoes. And it is true that his son didn't recognise him in the house. Yeah. Yes. You talk about there being nothing there for people afterwards. This is the second case, actually, that that I've spoken about in the last week and a half only. The, the last week was was the case of Amy Barrett. And and you might remember Amy. Her her story was her, her dad was jailed for, for abusing her. And as her point was that, you know, he got any counselling that he wanted. He got any support that he wanted once he went into prison. There was nothing for me. I guess if... If Adam Sheehan wants help and support, he'll get it. There's nothing oh, for poor Seamus. Yes. yes, and could possibly come out with a degree in law or something. You know, like, there is support and there was support for Amy because any crime that's reported to the guards, the guards, I'm talking about Anglesey Street now because that's the hope, Anglesey Street will make contact within a day or two of the victim who has reported the crime. Mm. They will offer them our assistance. Yeah. They will send them out one of their leaflets, our leaflets, mm. and they kind of they can't push the person to take the support. Oh no! They can oh, encourage no. them. I think the context is though that after the the, the judge bangs the gavel, and, and oh, the offender that. is taken down, some people feel that everything. Everything slips away, but but Sally, if Seamus is, is is listening now, and or if someone is going to tell him about this conversation, that like, what can you say to let him know that this will be okay, that he will he will one day wake up and this will have gone away. Well, I hope Seamus, if you are listening, uh, we were very fond of you, and we're glad that the court case is over. I know you're not satisfied with the sentence and it is hard to get it, I suppose, that you are satisfied. I personally do not understand why a sister is handed and two suspended then for such a vicious assault. Leave it at the seven or leave it at the ten or whatever it should be, not to suspend two or three years out from it. But I would say to Seamus, take every support he can medical, take counselling. Our service is available to him all the time. With the COVID, we can't go out and visit him. But we certainly were keeping in contact with him with the phone, and he loved the old phone calls, and he was great to chat away on us. Um, so I would to keep going and have hope that maybe once this part is over, that he he will begin to... I suppose, relax a little. That his biggest worry, PJ, was having to go into court and give evidence. Yeah. Because with the head injuries and the injuries, he could get a little confused, okay? Yes, yes. And that we had to give evidence and go through cross-examination. Then that he felt that he could mess it up. But at least the guilty plea 
uh, saved him that. Yeah, isn't that what the judge knocks the couple of years off for? Though, isn't yeah, it? yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't see it. You know, I, I, I was amazed because I hadn't heard from him. And Sharon and I were talking about him the other day, and I, I hadn't heard, I hadn't heard that the case was over. Uh, but I'm glad it's over for him. But I would say to him, keep going. He's a young man. He's only 47. Mm. You know, he's a lot of living to do yet. You know, Sally, he's a man of extraordinary courage because that's what it takes to tell your story on a radio program like that. Oh, it does. It does. But if you met him now, you'd be mad about him, PJ. (laughs) You know, a very humble man. Um... And not a fellow feeling awful pity for himself altogether. He wasn't kind of going, poor me, you know. It could have been somebody else that mightn't have been able. But he was defenseless when that assault took place. You know, he, as I say, he was going out of hospital, making his way home. Uh, he was in hospital for, some, for a different reason. He was prey, uh, Sally, is what he was. He was standing out like I don't know he was what. Prey. And, he it was was pre- and it was a predator that got him. It was a predator that got him. And, I, and did I hear many convictions of that man? Oh, Twenty, we think, yeah. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. You know, and like that first time doing it, possibly won't be last time doing it uh, if he comes out again. So, you know, it's, it's, it's dreadful. I mean, it pains me to my heart when I meet somebody like that. And you can do so much. But you can't do everything. You can't put them back together correctly no. again. No. But I do wish that the government would uh, introduce. It used to be there years ago uh, that people would get a few bucks for pain and suffering. And okay, money isn't everything, but it could help. Well, it, it might help, help them with a few counselling cl- sessions and a few things. It like that. could, yeah. and indeed, it could help. They maybe get his house in order, because he, he lives alone, uh, to get his house in order to to make it more amenable and more comfortable for him, yes. you know, to to have rails and, you know, downstairs showers or whatever yes. that he might need. So it's something. But the appeal, I mean, how far has he gone with the appeal? He says he's been in touch with the DPP and they've said that the thing is closed and over. That That seems to be where it is. Do you know? But he, he doesn't. He, he's, he just wants he's it looked at. Yeah. No, he doesn't want to accept that. He doesn't want to yeah. accept that. Sally, and listen. I mean the, yeah. The, the, the guard that's, that's dealing with it, I just, his name is just in my mind now, but he was here in Cork, and I know he did wonderful work on it. And maybe Seamus got back on with him because James certainly knows his name. And when I'm back in work on Monday, I will look up that name and I'll get him to ring. Uh, Seamus again and see maybe can he add anything to the file what judge was it PJ Judge Donovan yeah he's reasonable enough yeah Sally, you're you're no. great as always, and, and and the work you do is there's, there's nobody could pay for it. Thank you so much for being with us again this I morning. Say, could I just say, PJ, therefore I have you. Yes. Right through COVID, our service is continuing. We're continuing by phone and by email. We're doing emergencies once a week in the office, but we're still there, and we haven't missed out on a call from anybody who was looking for help. So I just want that to people to know we are there. Very good.
Very good. And I'll, I'll give your contact details and stuff. Um, the caller just wants to thank you. We don't know who this is for being a tower of strength in dealing with her own case. Uh, oh, that's right. It was, uh, that's and Sharon also wants to thank Sharon. And she says, when your world fall apart, falls apart, you can't pick it up yourself. Yeah. And she appreciates yeah. all you do. Yeah. Sally, yeah. thank you as always. It's, a, it's always a joy to speak with you. Sally Hanlon from Support After Crime on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. The very sad and tragic story of Seamus Troy. 1850-715-996. Seamus, if you're listening, I'll read out some of the love and support for you next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Anne says, PJ, I'm heartbroken for this man, but I'm mostly angry. Society is broken. Crime is commonplace. And the punishment doesn't fit the crime anymore. As society, we mind the thugs with gentle punishment, short sentences, and we blame alcohol and drugs. And if no blame can fall on the criminal, listen to this man. He's broken. That's not good enough. Does anyone care for him? Someone else says, listening to that poor man who was attacked, his life is ruined mentally and physically, and his attacker gets out in three years. I'm actually shaking with anger. This is injustice. Kate says the law is a disgrace. If this was any other country, he'd be getting a much longer sentence. There's no such thing as good behaviour. The sentence runs Monday to Friday. The weekend is time off for good behaviour anyway, says that message. Becky, Seamus needs to heal. Stop hurting himself. The law isn't going to help him. He needs to help himself. Get the help to help others in the same situation turn what happened into him or to him into a strength. Bless you. Hi PJ, this is horrible. Sickening to hear the pain that man is in. Is there a GoFundMe page or something we can do to help pay for his counselling? Well, if somebody wants to set one up, go right ahead. We can't, but if someone else wants to, go right ahead. Jesus PJ, that's nothing short of a maniac. No point calling him an animal. Animals wouldn't do that. Five years, it should be 20 and nothing shorter. Poor man paying the price of just wanting to go home. Love the show, says Robbie. Thank you, Robbie. Yeah, that is it. That is so well put, Robbie. So well put. He just wanted to go home. He'd been in hospital for an appointment. He was shuffling along on his crutches, going for his train to go home and probably rest after his procedure in hospital. And this, he was prey. He was prey to Adam Sheehan. And Adam Sheehan stuck his prey. I feel so bad for Seamus. I hope he gets the help he needs. My sister was beaten within an inch of her life 26 years ago. The case was sent to Dublin. The judge insisted my sister be there, then handed out a suspended sentence. My sister felt it was laughing at her. She looked like she was after being in a car accident. We didn't recognise her in hospital. It took her an awful long time and a lot of help. I'm in tears listening to that interview and I just wanted to hug him. He sent me loads of pictures last night and the cuts and the bruises and the split head and the swollen eyes and the burst lip. Oh, my God, the poor man was just battered. They're so graphic we wouldn't post most of them. 
couldn't possibly put them. He, he said I can if, if I want to, but they're too graphic. We couldn't. They'd be too upsetting t- to, to, to listeners uh, seeing them on our, on our social media. But you get, the, you get the gist. The Rally for Truth, which is being organised in Cork tomorrow afternoon by the uh, People's Convention, Convention, they have insisted that it will go ahead, despite having been asked by the Cork Business Association, despite having been asked by the guards not to do it. They're insisting that it goes ahead. Now, as we've explained, the spokesman for the organisers, Dermot O'Kyla, chooses not to speak on the opinion line, as I've said before and will say again. Dermot is always welcome on the show, but he chooses not to take part, as is his right. However... He does speak to our newsroom. And here's a brief conversation that he had with Barry O'Mahony. It will be peaceful. We are condemning the violence that took place in Dublin last week. We will be vigilant on it ourselves. We are liaising with the Gardaí. If we see any hint of potential trouble, we will be pointing it out to the Gardaí. Mm -hmm. We are not interested in that kind of nonsense. Um, It is a peaceful event. Um, there'll be speakers, there'll be music, it'll be a family-friendly event. Um, people shouldn't come if, they're, if they feel at risk themselves. People, if, if they want to wear masks, they're welcome. Do you feel that by just, you know, encouraging people to come and join a rally like this, it's sending out the wrong message? Well, it, 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 the, the gathering that we're going to have isn't what's caused um, the, the health crisis we're in. It hasn't caused the neglect in the care homes, which once again are experiencing a spike of deaths. So we're not the cause of it, and won't be. There are countries in Europe, Poland, Norway, Malta, uh, Greece, for example, Hungary, Finland, they've never, ever had a lockdown, and they're doing okay. You've had contact from the Gardaí. What's their request to you been in relation to the convention organising this rally for Saturday? Well, the Gardaí have asked me to convey to the organisers that they would prefer it be cancelled. And I've, I've done that, and the answer is negative. It has not been cancelled. The event is to proceed. Well, there you go. That's the message from the organisers via their spokesman, Dermot O'Kyla, Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Joe Cavanagh. Joe, good morning. Good morning, PJ. What's your response to that? Um, I'm disappointed, PJ, to be honest with you. I mean, look... First and foremost, PJ, I'm not a medical expert. I want to make that very clear. And, you know, when you're in a crisis situation, which we have been for the past 12 months, given the pandemic, we depend on people, uh, the medical experts, and we depend, we lean very heavily on their expertise for advice and, and for guidance. Yeah. And we depend on people like yourself to, who, who, in fairness, I must at this point commend your show for, 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 for simplifying and portraying guidelines to people and advising people what they should and they shouldn't do. Thank you, Dan. Now, on the other side of the coin, PJ, I can certainly sense the frustration of so many people out there. We've People are frustrated. There is nobody in this country that hasn't been affected in some shape or form by the lockdown me- measures, by, 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 by the virus itself. People have lost family members. People have lost their businesses. They've lost their way of life. Like I, as Lord Mayor, I've had to do things. I've had to uh, reinvent the role of Lord Mayor 
And I mean, I've done things totally differently than any other of my predecessors. And I fully embrace that and accept that and and do things differently as advised by the experts. Now, given what, what the experts are saying about gatherings such as what is planned for tomorrow in, in, in the centre of our city, is they're advising against large gatherings, which is exactly, and you can't dress it up any other way. This is exactly what it is. And it has been, um, I hear some of the experts talking about um, a super spreader event, a potential super spreader event, mm-hmm. which means that this a, ga- a gathering of people, regardless what it is, has the potential to, to spread the virus and, and into family homes and into community environments. Well, let's be very and clear about. Let's be very complex. clear about this. Under level yeah. five, which is where we are right. now, and if you look yeah. at the official information with regard to level five, under level five, gatherings of this kind are forbidden. Correct, correct. And in fairness, you have always uh, simplified and explained what you can and what you can't do. And look, just because we don't like the sound of something, and there's a lot of times we don't like the sound of something, and look, we all have the right to protest, but we have to be sensible about this, PJ, because the end is in sight. It really is. If we can get our head around the vaccine implementation and speed it up and get our population vaccinated, coupled with, and it has to be coupled with, sensible um, I suppose, sensible adherence to, to yeah. the guidelines as recommended and outlined by the experts who actually know what they're talking about. And, and like here's the thing. To my knowledge, Dermot O'Keyla and his team are not medical experts. No, he could be wrong. There could be some medical experts advising him. I don't know. Yeah. Here's the thing, and it, that I, I, I call it open defiance, and I challenge any one of them to, to take me on about it, but of course, Mr O'Keyla chooses not to. On the day that Cork is officially the county in Ireland with the lowest rate of transmission. Yes. And, and, and I think, Lord Mayor, that is a testament to yes. the people of the city the, and county. The people, of our Cor- the people of Cork should be so proud of themselves. They really should. And I am so proud, as Lord Mayor, of the people of Cork, because I go on to call from time to time, and I take great pride, and my colleagues in Dublin in a lot of cases, and I'm very proud to, 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 to shout from the rooftops at how well we're doing as a city in so many different ways, not just with this, but adhering to guidelines with this, but in terms of the way that our business sector have handled themselves, um, the way that the people in general and communities have handled themselves and so on. Obviously, you'll always have situations, PJ, and from time to time your show do highlight certain situations where people do stray mm. from the... You can't the not talk about it because people are. No, no, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, it is, it, it, it's so important that, um, you know, you give a balanced view to everything. And in fairness, you always do. Lord Mayor, would, would you be calling in your official capacity as First yeah. Citizen on the, for the cancellation of this tomorrow? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that is what the experts, I, I, support, I fully 100% support the medical experts because I am not a medical expert who rec- who, who've called for the cancellation of this type of an event until such time as it is safe to do it. I mean, I'd love to go out and, I, I, in fairness, I'd love to have a St. Patrick's Day parade, you know? I'd love to go visit the schools, you know? I'd love to see matches down the park. I'd love to see matches up in Turner's Cross. 
but we can't do these things. We have to live our lives differently. For the we time can't do them yet. We get this thing under control. We can't do them yet. We will be able to do yes. them sometime soon. Joe, thank you very much for your time, Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Joe Cavanagh. The reason I'm moving on is because I don't think I've ever read a more passionate Facebook post and from someone whose, whose passion is never questioned. Uh, I don't think I've ever read more passionate words than I read last night from our old friend Katrina Toomey. Katrina, good morning. Good morning, Pete. You do not want this happening. No, certainly not. And I suppose it would be a good time for me to say now that, you know, I come across meat and, be, and I'm with a huge amount of people every single day. Nobody that I've met wants this either. Mm-hmm. They're all afraid. They're all scared. And I'm scared for them. I'm scared for myself. I suppose I'm scared for my my own loved ones, you know, my family, for my friends and my colleagues that I've I there are volunteers that volunteer with Penny Dinners for years and we haven't seen them since last March because they're all you know, they're in, they're vulnerable and they can't come in. So we've had to take a lot of things on the chin. We've had to change everything that we do, change the way we do it. And um, we've done all that, along with everybody else in Cork that is like-minded about keeping each other and our loved ones safe. You know, we see the frontline workers every day. You know, you see them, they're on the streets, they're brushing the streets, they're right up to the the doctors, the surgeons, the nurses who are worn out, the the young nurses, you know, who, who should be paid better for what they're actually doing. Like, there's a lot of things wrong in our country. Let's face that, a huge amount of things. And nobody is worried about anybody protesting at a normal time, but we're not in normal times now. We're in in, in a pandemic, and it looks like we're coming out of it. We've got good figures. We're working hard. Everybody is. And we don't want that to be jeopardised, and it will be jeopardised on Saturday. Look what happened after Christmas. You know, um, and all and we're only just we getting out of that now. We're coming away exactly. from that now. Exactly. So, again, you know, somebody challenged me and said everybody has the right to exercise their rights. Well, so do I. And my right and exercising them is to keep my loved ones safe, my friends safe, and all that I look after every day at penny dinners and around the streets and in their homes. You know, we have families now that have COVID in their homes and they're dependent on us to drop stuff to them. We have elderly people that are depending on us, people with disabilities that are depending on us. You, you know, we see things that others don't see. Mm. And I would just appeal to Dermot and to all who will be out, who are going out tomorrow, think of us. I don't want to get sick because if I do, I will be worried about those that will be in need of our service, you know, and all the volunteers feel the same way I do. Would but you again, ask them to think again, Katrina? I would plead with them. Not This is not the time for to do it. And, to ha- you know, we all know what our rights are and we all know that things aren't, you know, right at all times. But it is not the time. They really would want to look at all the people that are suffering and they would want to look at the families that are suffering and right go wrong no matter who caused it, what caused it, it's happened. And we're none of us are experts on this, but there are experts on, you know, World Health Organization or experts here in Cork who have come out the whole time, you know, telling us what we need to be doing. And, you know, 
the majority of the population are going by that because they they want to be safe, they want to come out of it. The businesses want want to go back and they want to make sure that they can stay open because another open opening and closing would probably nail them to the wall. Lots of businesses have been lost at the minute. Yeah. So let's do the right thing. Let's do it properly. All of us. Okay. All go forward together. And I would plead with them, for goodness sake, like, you know, think of those that are suffering at the minute. This will not help them. In fact, it probably could kill some of them. So they're taking our lives in their hands. And during this pandemic, nobody has that right to do that. It's a level five lockdown. They've been told it's illegal. They shouldn't be doing it. And they're still going to go ahead. Well, that's kind of like, I suppose, bully boy tactics, I suppose, in one way. But all our lives now are being put at risk tomorrow. And we don't want that. And we're asking you to please look if they want to do something, let them do something good. And I've said that, you know, um, we we are aware of everything that happens. We're aware of hunger, mental health. We're aware of suicide. We're part and parcel of that. And we know the pain and destruction, the intensity of it, that what it causes to families. And we know that people with vulnerable parents, with vulnerable siblings, with vulnerable children, with vulnerable relatives are all scared by this tomorrow. And they'll, you know, so like, in effect, people have been on lockdown, but we're doing it for to stay safe. We're alive, PJ, and we want to stay alive. Katrina, for no reason other than time, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you very much, Katrina Toomey, begging, literally pleading with them to cancel tomorrow. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. 1857-15996, the number to call, the text to WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. If you missed anything in our first hour this morning, and it was a very powerful first hour on the Opinion Line this Friday morning, you'll get our podcast in the afternoon. It's available to you in the early afternoon. Goes up first on Twitter and then goes to all your individual platforms, including, of course, the Cork's 96FM app. And if you're a subscriber to the Daily Podcast, it just drops into your uh, feed free of charge. We don't charge you a penny piece for it. Available every afternoon. That's our Cork's 96FM Opinion Line podcast. Lots of responses to our first hour. In particular, we got a call from Mick down at Lachine's house. He was listening to Seamus and he said if Seamus needs any help, and we've been on to Mick on the programme in the past, if Seamus needs any help, he just needs to make contact with Lachine's house and they can put him in contact with a counsellor who will speak with him and help him free of charge. That's really good help there from from Mick at Lachine's house, which we will pass on uh, to Seamus Troy. On the rally... Uh, I saw research from Oxford University about how 10 people gathering together for two hours, even in the open air, can create 50 infections. It would be much shorter indoors. They then bring it back to members of their family and so on. This disease has the potential to literally wipe us out. It's the most dangerous since the Spanish flu, but it's the mutations you need to watch. There are mutations that affect particularly particular people very badly. One of these days, the wrong mutation will happen and the general population will be affected. And caller, the way we avoid that happening is because it can only mutate inside you. The, the way we stop that happening is to stop it transmitting. Paul says, why aren't the Gardaí stopping this before they gather 
and disperse the crowd. Well, they have asked them to cancel it. The organisers have said, no, we're not cancelling it, go ahead. The Lord Mayor of Cork on this programme this morning has asked them to cancel it. And the Penny Dinners, the head of Penny Dinners, Katrina Toomey, probably the most respected woman in Cork, one of them anyway, loved and adored by thousands, has pleaded with them to cancel. But yet they, they insist that it will go ahead. Ashling says this protest is so wrong. If it goes ahead, it'll put the numbers up again. And all this crap about their rights. Well, what about my rights to keep me and my family safe? It's so selfish of them, and I'm so annoyed about it. This protest should not be allowed to go ahead, says the baldy barber. Kate says, if I had a business, I wouldn't be open tomorrow. But you can't be anyway, Kate. There's, they're all, nearly all closed. The last thing you want is people spreading this among your staff and customers and keeping us in lockdown longer. You then have the other side of the argument. I think Dermot O'Kyla should get the freedom of the city because of the work he does among the homeless and the poor. It's not recognised or reported on at all, nor did he seek publicity for it, but he's a great humanitarian. You know what? I can't take from that message. I, I've known Dermot on and off for the, I'd say the bones of 15 years at this stage. And, and a humanitarian, absolutely. Absolutely. But on this occasion, he, in my opinion, he doesn't talk to me, as we know. He's completely wrong to be doing this. But besides, besides, under the level 5 restrictions, as they stand, gatherings are forbidden. Now, there's, you get the old civil liberties wetting their pants and saying, oh, it's, 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 a, it's a guideline, it's not a law. We should go away and dry up. You're told don't organise these things. Does it really need to be law? Do you really need the Gestapo around the streets to tell you it's law? Cop on. 1850-715-996. Now, when all this ends, and end it will, we have been told that the, to be realistic about it, if we're to keep where we are going, to expect an outdoor summer, in that most of what we do, most of our eating, any of our drinking, our socialising, will need to be outdoors. The public health officials have pretty much told us that the way we're going, it'll need to be an outdoor summer. And I suppose in that case, we need to be looking now, on the 5th of March, at how our businesses, how our restaurants, how our pubs, how our shops deal with this. How do we prepare to be an outdoor economy? And one of the things that happens in this country, and I don't know how many times over the years I've met business people in the city who just hang their heads in their hands when they try to do something innovative with the space outside their building, they find themselves tied up in red tape, weighed down with paperwork, and at the end they just go, ah, shag it. We need to cut through that. According to the Cork rep for the Restaurants Association of Ireland, who is Mike Ryan from Corn Store and Cockbull. Mike, good morning. DJ, how are you? Good, and that is it, isn't it? Well, I suppose I, I'm like I suppose we were just commenting on what was being reported on, and some areas that we've seen. It's not just Cork; it's it's all over the the country. People are seeing resistance when it comes to cutting through red tape, or, or just trying to fight through the red tape. I have to like 
to be fair to Cork City Council, they've been very proactive with businesses and done an awful lot, as you can even see around the city. But I suppose it's a national call is what was what's been uh, asked for and more cohesive thinking. Mm. Um, but like what's been done in Cork so far has been very good. You're going to it'll be benefit the city. Uh, you have the what's happening up in McCurtain Street and your Princess Street. These are going to bring people into the city, and these are very these 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 are great initiatives. Will will, will Princess Street go again once we're open? Yeah. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, because I suppose it's not only with it. Well, these things aren't these 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 areas aren't just going to benefit the businesses directly outside the door. They're going to benefit. The, the city as a whole to bring people in because if you, you're going to have to have some focal points around the city people are still going to want to come in shopping meet with their friends still socialise and it's, it'll be a safer environment to do so outside at the start anyway um, and so more of these ideas and projects have dotted around the place I suppose the problem is and, and what you're referring to is the individual person the individual business person because when collectively, when you can see you have five, six, eight premises all kind of operating together in a square, and it's and it's and it's it it can be you can close a street down, then that works. But I suppose it's when the individual comes with ideas for their own premises. Yeah. A lot of a lot of the funding is well, there isn't a lot of funding, uh, to be honest with you. There's funding being allocated to government bodies, but they're more interested in at present, to do more long-term projects, uh, to put in for the long-term infrastructure of outdoor eating and, 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 and seating. But the problem is we're, we're in March. You know, uh, we're, we're talking about June and July. These things don't just pop up. They're not a, a home gazebo that you just pop up and take it out of the attic or wherever, the shed or wherever you're putting it. Yes. Like, it's going to take time to put, you know, we're, we're we're still operating in Ireland. Like we're, we're, it's not going to be nice in, in 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 by June. You know what I mean? We're going to have to we're going to have to still battle the elements. Yes. Uh, so we're going to need proper heating, lighting, and so that takes electricity or whatever whatever's going to be the electricity or gas, whatever you're running to the parasols or your covering whatever coverings you have. So like everyone has got a great ideas, and everyone's saying yeah yeah that should be done, but there's no point doing that in 2022. Or 2023, we need it done now. Yes, you know, and that's yes. and I suppose that's that's the big call. You know, just I know there's an awful lot of I know it's personally, I on the ground one to one with dealing with with, with members of the city council, or whatever, fantastic, and they will do their best. But the moment they get into the bureaucracy of trying to change something, it frustrates them as well as us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, uh, but I have to admit. And and we operate in Limerick as well. The councils are trying, I suppose. the the The, the infrastructures of the councils, though, have been mixed and, and meld over the last I don't mm. know, centuries. You know, so so basically, I suppose there's an awful lot of bureaucracy to cut through, and uh, I suppose someone has to take the bull by the horn and say, "Yes, let's make it happen." Yeah, I suppose the one thing you do have to be cognizant of and careful about when you do something outdoor, like you said, a parasol or a table or a few chairs and electricity and heating and lighting and all that, you need to be cognizant of safety. So you need at least to pass a safety inspection. But at the same time, that doesn't need to take months. No, it doesn't. But of course, it, you, like, listen, we all have businesses that we need a fire engine to get to if, if there catches fire. Yeah. You know what I mean? People that have buggies or wheelchairs or sight impaired, they need to have proper access as well. Like, no one is saying that they shouldn't. And I suppose no one's looking for a free-for-all. But, 
you know, it just takes a few people to stand together on the street at the, in question and not sending emails and go, look, this is what we want to do. We want to leave X amount of space for um, safety vehicles, emergency vehicles, people access. But this is what we've left over. Can we do it? Yeah. You know, instead of getting drawings done up and reports done up, just let's do it. Because I don't think, and and not to be a permanent thing as well, like I don't think we'll go, uh, once this does end, and it will, you know, that people will, well, we might have to have a culture shift, We, but I suppose it's always the weather that pushes us back indoors. Mm-hmm. So there's gonna, that takes an awful lot of money to weatherproof or make uh, areas more... Um, usable in, 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 in inclement weather. Um, and that means long-term uh, infrastructure and f- finances. Now, every business will put money towards it, that they ha- especially outside their own door, once they know it's there for the long term. It's the same as doing painting your building. It's the same as putting tables and chairs and having awnings put up. Yes. You know, it's yours, you maintain it, because it's there. it will be there for the long term. And I suppose that funding is, you know, we haven't been operating come, like, Come the fifteenth of March, we will have affected. We shut our doors, and yeah. most businesses did last year. That's uh, effectively have, a year, other than a bit of takeaway, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and like oh. you know, and you can see around the city. Even if you walk around, people, you know, on the weekends and stuff, people walking around and there, it's it got a bit of a European feel to it. There's people going out there nibbling small amounts, mm-hmm. you know, like it's it, it, people like you know we're doing it as well from our door, small bites to eat, as well as your full takeaway. But you see people just kind of strolling around and nip coffees and, you know, maybe waffles or ice creams, whatever they're having. Uh, and it's good to see. And it's great to see. Uh, like, weather like this is perfect for us. Like, we're happy with that. But uh, once it rains, then sure, where do people go? That's the problem. And I suppose another big issue is that when you want people outside is, you know, there are facilities for people. Like, the toilet facilities aren't there at the present. You know, for people, it's a big issue in the city that needs to be addressed. That we need more public toilets and more public facilities like that. Yeah, I think your message um, very clearly this morning, Mike, is that look the the June weekend is only about ninety days away. Yeah, and the way we're looking at it, restrictions will probably be have eased by the June weekend to allow for some outdoor dining at least so let us work together in that three months businesses and city hall to get things happening quickly yeah and it's to release funding that's going to be and that's a government issue like the funding is badly needed uh like the council haven't got rates off most businesses all year they don't have they don't have a pot of cash either so in turn they need help to like we could all say we can do these oh this would be a great idea who's going to pay for it who's going to fund it there needs to be help for the long but having these projects done is going to benefit the city every business in the city long term invest now to to, to benefit later Mike I'm going to leave it there thank you very very much uh, for today Uh, that's Mike Ryan Cork Rep for the Restaurants Association of Ireland of course uh, behind the Corn Store and Cock Bull restaurants to fine, fine establishments. Thank you, Mike. 1850-715-996. Just before I go to the break, the numbers. The numbers. They're great, lads. They really are. Our five-day incidence in Cork is 22. So that's 22 cases per day on average for the last five days 
over a population of half a million people. 22 new infections across a population per day across a population of half a million people. As of today, uh, the 5th of March, our 14-day incidence rate is 60 per 100k of population. 60 per 100k of population, making us the lowest in the country. Kerry is on 61, well, 60.9, but that's 61 as near as damn it. So we're the lowest incidence per 100k of population across the last team, last 14 days in the country right now in Cork. The, the bottom three, if you're interested, are Wexford, Kerry and ourselves. The other counties in Munster, Clare is at 17th at the t- in, the, in the table. They have 146. Waterford, 168. They're 15th. Tipperary, 174. And uh, Limerick, 6th in the table with 250. So Limerick, not so great. The worst in the country at the moment, we used to think it was Dublin. Dublin actually has dropped to number five. Awfully has the highest incident rate in the country at the moment of 400 per 100,000 population in, in the last two weeks. But we're right down there at the bottom of the table with 60. Go back to last month, to the 5th of February, and our 14-day numbers were 433 per 100k. So awfully are today where we were a month ago. And go back two months to the 5th of January, right into the start of the new year, in the, as the surge was upon us. Our 14-day figure was 889. So we've gone from 889 down to 60 in, you might say, two months. 94%, in other words, we've cut it down. We are well and truly on the way to a single figure 14 days by Easter, which would be as close as damn it to zero COVID in Cork. We're the best performing in the country in terms of community infection right now. And for that, I mean, that now makes me as happy to read as that wonderful sunrise this morning made me happy to see. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. The newspapers were full yesterday. The Irish Times in particular had an incredible front page photograph of a murmuration of, we think starlings, it is starlings, 
this happens at this time of year, early spring. And if you've ever seen a murmuration, it's the most phenomenal thing you've ever seen, where hundreds, possibly thousands of birds fly together almost in a pattern. And the reason that the one made the front pages yesterday was it actually took the shape of a giant bird. It was phenomenal. We just got a video sent in to us, though, of another murmuration, stunning as well, which happened here in Cork. Uh, we wait, I just asked this man where it was. Podrig drives a truck for the Good Fish Shop. Uh, morning, Podrig. Morning. You saw this and took the film. Where did you see it? Uh, Leash, up in County Leash. Right. When? Uh, last Friday, this day last week. Right, okay. And describe it to me. You sent in the, vid- the video. Oh, it was just... Oh, fuck, I'd never seen anything like this yeah. before, you know. It's just... It, it, it was an amazing sight, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing. There was thousands, yeah. thousands of them. Thousands of them. Yeah. Thousands of them. And it's like everyone knows where everyone else is going. Yeah, it, it was it, 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 it was it was unreal, like yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Pat, thank you for sending it in to us, and we are going to circulate it on our social media because it is for now. It was up the country, but Podrick is as Carcass Stripe and Drasheen. I know his brother Dave very well. Uh, Podrick, thank you for that. Another stunning. Uh, murmuration. He was really taken aback by it. He'd never seen anything like it before. It seems to be starlings that do it an awful lot. You get sparrows at it as well, but what I'd love to do, actually, lads, is maybe give our friend Jim at Birdwatch Ireland or some one of them a call and and maybe explain uh, the science behind all of this, because it is absolutely stunning to see a murmuration. I saw a small one um, couple of years ago out over the lock it was a, a small little one not not huge at all and it generally seems to be starlings and in Coogan Towers we have a particular relationship with starlings they're gorgeous to look at uh, when they do that but when the little buggers get in under your eaves and nest in your attic and then they teach the young ones to fly inside in the bleeding attic as they did last spring you know, it, it leads to some tension in that relationship. You get a few starlings into the attic. And I, I think this this is happening already because I've seen a bit of it on Twitter. Some people I know posting about this on Twitter. <laughs> there are starlings already getting into attics and they're making, they'll, they'll come in through any little hole you have at all and they'll rip, they'll rob the attic insulation and they'll make themselves a nest under the eaves. And they're doing you no harm. None that ever was except that sugar around the place and all that but we had him last year and I remember ringing Jim at Birdwatch Island or Ireland ringing him and he said leave him alone leave him alone he said they'll be grand they'll, they'll go off when they're ready and when they're gone then you block up the hole which is which is what we did but you can't touch them starlings and they taught each other to fly inside in the bloody attic as well so if anyone's had that, by the way, it's it just give it. It's it's a bit early for it yet, but it was around the middle of March it started. It started coming up to our, it started happening in our place. If anybody's had it, give me a call at eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. You can't do anything about it. You cannot do anything about it. You can't touch the nest. You can't destroy the nest. You can do nothing. You just have to wait for them to be gone. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. So they're murmurating basically inside in the attic. It sounds like the the Harlem Gospel Choir uh, by night and the 
Harlem Globetrotters by day. Like, it's gas. You've often heard the expression, in me gut. I have a gut feeling. Uh, our relationship between our gut and our brain, scientists reckon, is very, very strong. And the health of our gut is very, very important. If your gut is healthy, your overall health is good. So how do we maintain the health of our gut? It's one thing we can take very much for granted is our gut. Because everything goes in one end and out the other, for want of diagrams. And it all goes through the gut. So you've got to maintain the health of that gut. And science tells us that the health of our gut is has a real important influence on the health of the rest of our body, including our mental health. Louise Reynolds is a dietitian with the Irish Nutrition and Dietetic Institute. Good morning, Louise. Good morning, PJ. Good Delighted health. to be on the call. D- Delighted to have you. It is something we take for granted, the health of our gut, but something that's so important to our overall health. Yes, it is. And I'm sure there are a lot of, of your listeners this morning who, you know, struggle with gut health or feeling well. They might you know, find that after certain foods, they may be feeling quite bloated or they might have constipation or episodes of, of, on the other end of the scale, episodes of diarrhea and just not feeling well, wind and and pain. So all of those things can be normal. So they can kind of come and go depending on how you're feeling or maybe foods you've eaten and so on. But, you know, if you're not feeling well, if you have gut symptoms, you know, for going on for a couple of weeks or months, it is no harm to go and get it checked out by your GP. That's the first thing I think it's important to say. However, there are a lot of people then, when everything has been ruled out, it's called maybe irritable bowel syndrome. And it can be very difficult for people to live with because, you know, you might be going out somewhere. Now, of course, at the moment, we're not going very far. But when we're allowed again to go out somewhere or go away for a weekend and people might want to have the bathroom nearby because they just have, they don't feel well in their gut. And sometimes that can can be affected by so many things that are going on in our diet, but also sleep, um, lifestyle, regular exercise can help with bloating. I mean, there are things that you can look at and small things that you can do, taking time and not getting so stressed as well. Um, things like yoga can be really good for our gut. So, you know, have a think about your gut. And you did mention in the introduction that we now know that the gut and the brain are quite linked. And people may have heard about the microbiome down there in Cork. There's fantastic research going on in UCC yeah. near John you there. John Cryan and his team, yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Huge amount of research going into looking at exactly what is going on in our gut in terms of the microbiome. And that is all of these millions and billions, trillions probably of bacteria that live inside our gut. And it's getting the right balance. If you have the good, healthy bacteria living in there, and if you're eating the right kinds of foods to feed those bacteria, that is really the best way to maintain, you know, good gut motility. That means everything moving, as you said earlier, moving from the one end to the other smoothly and not causing any problems along the way. So I think it's something that people shouldn't just resign themselves to, oh, look, that's the way I've always been, or, you know, oh, sure, I have a bit of a, a dodgy tummy. Um, do have a closer look and maybe have a look at your diet. And there are certain things that you can change about your diet that maybe is irritating your gut and that you can improve the symptoms. So that's really important. I think people should, you know, have a closer look if they are struggling with their gut. Mm. And one of the things we often talk about is fibre, and that's really, really important. Yeah. Where would you get fibre yeah. naturally? I mean, it's the, yeah. the, 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 num- the amount, you're supposed to have, what, 30 grams a day? Yes. Short, yeah, of, short fact- of eating raw, raw sheaves of <laughs> barley, I can't feel... <laughs> 
No, but you know what? It's actually most Irish people, unfortunately, are not getting enough fibre. There are lots of us in that group who aren't getting the 30 grams a day. So places that you get fibre, firstly, it's plant-based food. So fibre is really coming from the plant structure of the food. um, And it's the part that we don't digest and absorb. So it passes through into our gut. And when it's there, then the bacteria can use that and, and they can kind of break it down and use it as a food. And that is what helps to, to, for the bacteria to thrive in our gut. Um, the things that would be high in fibre would be all of our fruits and vegetables. And again, we should be eating between five to seven portions of fruit and vegetables a day. More of that should be vegetables. So maybe if you're going for four or more vegetable portions a day. And a portion, it's easy with fruit. You know, it would be an apple or a, a small banana or an orange. But when it comes to vegetables, you know, a couple of spoonfuls with your dinner. You, when you look at your dinner plate, if half of your plate should be vegetables. So lots of colour there. Um, frozen vegetables are great to have in the freezer because we tend to find with fresh vegetables, they might go off at the bottom of the fridge or you forget about them or you don't get around to cooking that dinner. So frozen vegetables are really good to have as a standby as well. Mm. And then high fibre, when you come to things like bread and pasta, brown and whole grain varieties are better than the white ones. They're going to have more fibre in them, probably you know twice as much in a slice of brown bread than in a slice of white bread. Stay with the, um, with the veg f- yeah. for a minute. My, my, my missus has, has a, an obsession with broccoli to the point where you'd almost get it for your breakfast, but she <laughs> insists that broccoli is good for you. How good yeah, for you broccoli. is broccoli? <laughs> oh, it's great. Broccoli's great for you. I'm with your wife on that one. Um, you know, it's great. It's one of the green vegetables. It's got fantastic, full of nutrients. Again, when you're cooking it, a lot of the nutrition in terms of the vitamins might leach out into the water. So maybe don't cook it for, until it's really, really soft. Have a little bit of a bite in it. Oh, but then I, hate, it. I hate that. We used to do that in Ireland with vegetables. Our, I think yeah. our, our, our mother's generation did it. They oh, boiled they them until you could eat it with a spoon. You're not well, supposed yeah, exactly. to do that. <laughs> exactly. So it's better. And even things like broccoli in a stir fry is great as well. Mm. Stir frying is a really good way to cook your vegetables because there's no water involved at all. But when it comes to the fibre, there still is, whether, you know, however the vegetables are cooked, you're still going to get all the fibre in there. So broccoli are fantastic. Any green vegetables. And in fact, some of the gut dietitians would actually recommend that you try and have 30 different plant-based foods a week in your diet. So maybe if you were to count up all of the fruits, the vegetables, and then of course plant-based foods as well. So things like your rice and, you know, um, breads and all of those obviously coming from grains and plants. So it sounds like a lot, but it's a really good way to try and see what variety you're getting. If you look down at your meal, if you had a a bolognese for dinner tonight, Mm. try and add in more vegetables there. So there might be mushrooms you could put in. You have onions in there, garlic. You can add in some peppers or some grated carrots. There's lots of ways, you know, throw in some lentils. Mm. There's lots of ways we can add in extra vegetables to the normal kind of meals that we cook as a family. And I can, you know, your family probably won't even notice the difference if you have children who are a little bit fussy. But, um, you know, so vegetables are great. Try and include them um, regularly in the diet. And they're really good for preventing constipation. Actually, you mentioned children. And I I, I know that a lot of parents would be listening to the show. And Johnny or Mary is seven or eight or nine and just won't touch anything green. Yeah, well, you see, the fruit and vegetables come in the same category anyway. So, um, you know, if they're eating more fruit than vegetables at this age, that's absolutely fine. Um, Again, what you're doing is you're trying to encourage over time that they'll become a little bit more adventurous. You know, I have four children myself and they all went through stages 
And some even now are better eaters than others or like different foods. And that's absolutely normal. But I think it's important that you still provide all of the food. Children also learn by example. So don't expect your children to eat lots of vegetables if you sit at the table and don't eat them either. So, you know, it's kind of a family project. You all need to get on board. But a great way with younger children is serve everything in the middle of the table. Um, So as much as possible, put out bowls of whatever you're having for dinner. If everyone sits down together, again, that's really important because children learn by seeing what everybody else is eating. Um, And if you just say, help yourself, and if they take a little spoonful and if they don't eat it, that's absolutely fine. Don't make a fuss of it. Over time, they're becoming more familiar with the food and, you know, hopefully they will start to try and eat it. If you just say, "Oh, oh, you know, John doesn't like any vegetables and you never put them on his plate, well, he certainly won't get used to eating vegetables. But if you say, right, you know, try a little bit of it there or even put it on your plate. And over time, then you may be surprised at how they do um, become a little bit more adventurous. So it's a, it's a learning process. It doesn't happen for every child overnight. But, um, you know, it doesn't mean if they don't eat it today that they never will. So it's a, ma- it's a matter of kind of encouraging the right foods um, in the diet. Oh, well. listen, when I was young, fella, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stay in the same room as a mushroom. And now I'd eat them by the half pound. You, you, you do <laughs> change you go, you as do. you get older. You, you do, you do, absolutely. A couple and of questions do, coming in. What's good for us now. Yes, yeah. Uh, steaming vegetables, good or bad? Really good, yeah. Steaming is a great way to um, cook your vegetables because, again, you're not losing anything into the water that surrounds them. So a lot of the vitamins that that and the nutrients that that um, vegetables contain tend to be water-soluble. So that means as you cook them in water, the vitamins might leach out of the vegetables or, or kind of come out of the vegetables into the water. And then what do we do? We eat the vegetables and we throw the water away. Mm. Um, so it's a good idea to steam because then everything stays within the vegetables. So yes, steaming is a great mm. idea. In, if you are making a soup, for example, then you're going to, you're eating, or you're sorry, you're including the liquid as well, so you're not throwing the water away. So making a homemade soup is a great way to include okay. vegetables. And you could get two or three portions, you know, by um, having the bowl of vegetables, having a pot of vegetable soup at home. Yeah. Um, that's a great way to include vegetables. All bran for the breakfast. Any good? Yeah, yes, really good. It's, it's very good. It's a really high-fibre cereal. And um, now, again, some people find it's very high in fibre. And if you are changing the amount of fibre in your diet, do it gradually. Um, some people might start off by putting a spoonful of all bran onto another cereal and then over time building it up and then having the full bowl of all bran. Yeah, I've heard that before, Louise. If you change too quickly, it can can affect you. Yes, it can irritate your gut as well because, you know, it's going from kind of a very low level to a really high level and that can actually can irritate your gut and it may even cause constipation unless you are taking the right amount of fluid with that. The way the fibre works is if you think of a sponge, it actually soaks up the fluid in your diet as well and then makes your stools very soft and everything moves softly and easily through your system. So if you are increasing your fibre intake, remember to increase your fluid intake as well. So have a couple of glasses of water during Mm. the day or even having your cups of tea, the water in that is going to help as well. So Mm. make sure that you're drinking enough fluid. Don't eat loads of fibre and then find that you're really thirsty and you're not drinking. Um, that may, that, that's not the way fibre works. Yeah. It needs to have, you know, maybe between one and a half to two litres of fluid every day. You know, herbal teas are good. And Now, what I wouldn't include there are fizzy drinks. Some people find fizzy drinks can make them quite bloated because, again, there's a lot of the, the carbonation yeah. in there. Yeah. And similarly, eating chewing gum. Um, really? people might, yeah, they, because when you're chewing a lot, you're kind of swallowing air, with, you know, right. as you're chewing. So if you find you're quite bloated and you get pain late in the evening, if you're a chewing gum eater, that might be something okay. to cut back on. Um, and again, alcohol as well. Some people, particularly the fizzier alcohol, so we're talking about maybe, 
any of the drinks with the bubbles in them um, or even beers, sometimes yeah. they can affect people's gut as okay. well. So there's lots of things. So if you are concerned, I think as well, don't go online and start cutting lots of things out of your diet. Um, it's important that you would check with a registered dietitian. And also now on social media, there are lots of registered dietitians on Instagram and they would give lots of tips and um you know, you could go and see a registered dietitian if somebody has a problem. But don't suffer in silence. That's what I'd say. It's, it's, you know, there are lots of solutions out there for people. Lastly, so, um, exercise. Oh, exercise is fantastic. Because again, listen, we, we all know that exercise is good for us in so many ways. Um, but really, anything where you're moving, something like cycling, if you can imagine, you know, you're moving your legs and that kind of cycling motion, that's going to kind of... Mo- kind of um, mobilize your gut as well, that things will kind of help things to move more slowly or more efficiently through your gut. Swimming is really good. Walking, really good exercise. Um, So very often people will find if they're a bit bloated and they go for a walk, Mm -hmm. afterwards they can maybe go to the bathroom more easily and things can can kind of settle down. So keeping regular exercise is very, very important, as well as the fact that it can help to maintain a healthy weight and also for our mental health as well. It's a really good idea to get out whenever we can, yeah. and right. particularly at the moment when we're, you know, there aren't many places we can go. Yeah. So it's a really good idea to, to get exercise into your day. And also relaxation. You know, take time maybe to listen to some music or sit down and listen to the radio, um, maybe reading a book or taking up even something like yoga where you're stretching. That can mm. be really good. And often people would do this for babies. You know, if a baby has colic or wind, I'm sure lots of your listeners would be you know, doing the circular, rubbing the baby's tummy, yeah. stretching out their legs. But we don't think of that for ourselves when we're older. So, you know, it can help with things like wind and bloating, and they can be related to, okay. to diet. Um, so it's a matter of kind of looking at a holistic approach, trying all of these things. But also, you know, do check, out, check it in with your GP. If his yeah. symptoms are going on for a long time, just to make sure that there's nothing else going on there that needs to be ruled out. Um, and then have a closer look at kind of diet and yeah. lifestyle. There's a, there's, a, there's a kind of a Chinese uh, sort of massage that doctors do on patients' bellies to, to ease yeah. constipation. So they have Fergal's telling me that here on the screen. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. It's, you know, it's, it's really beneficial. And also even, you know, if you are kind of bloated, sometimes heat, you know, maybe having a hot water bottle or something like that from time to time can be really good. In terms of diet as well, probiotics, we didn't mention those. And people may have heard about these probiotics, yeah. what are they? They're the kind of friendly... Yakults and bacteria. things. Yeah. Exactly, those kinds of things, the, the live yogurts. Um, and people can also maybe try them. You can get supplements in the pharmacy. Now, the thing is, there are so many different strains. So you would probably need advice about which one will be the best for you because what might work for some person doesn't work for somebody else. So if you are going for a probiotic and if you try it say for a month and if you don't see any improvements then maybe try a different one because it's not going to they don't work the same for everybody and they all have different types of bacteria in there so it might be a matter of trial and error to find the one that works for you okay um, but they have been shown you know in research studies they have been shown to be beneficial so again it's a trial and error but they can be good you know if somebody has been sick and on an antibiotic or has had gastroenteritis we often think of taking a probiotic afterwards to get the balance right in your gut but it might be that you know it's a good thing to have in your diet all the time just to try and get that balance of good and not so healthy bacteria in your gut to get the balance right plenty to think about there thank you thank you for your time today louise much appreciated not at all lovely to talk to you pj take Take care care now cheers that's louise reynolds a dietitian with the irish nutrition and dietetic institute on the importance of the gut and fibre.
for the gut. 1850-715-996. Andrew says, it's lint, for God's sake. Please stop talking about all these boards. I'm getting all frustrated. What? I don't know what he means. Oh, oh. <laughs> crows murmurate as well as uh, in a as well, but it's a looser type of murmuration, says John. And uh, thank God PJ didn't mention the cat being put up the attic. That was something that happened a few years ago. I was of utter frustration, and then I was advised that I shouldn't have done it. We did. We once, once many years ago, we put a cat up in the attic to try to chase a board out. Now it was an old pigeon wasn't a starling, a big dirty old pigeon that had gotten in. And and we just put the cat up to see. And it did, it chased it out, it didn't hurt it. The pigeon would have ate the cat, the size of the bloody thing. But uh, probably not the best thing we ever did from the point of view of being kind to the birds. It's the story that's dominating the news. National newspapers full of it, national radio full of it over the last few days, almost as if they discovered it. But it was about two weeks ago that we spoke on the programme with Wyon Stansfield. It was the first time we got an idea that maybe this vaccine rollout wasn't happening quite as efficiently as it might be when Wyon's parents were due to get their jabs and then they weren't. And by, by the end of that programme, we'd had another couple of calls and now, sure, it's a huge national story. Wyon, they got them in the end, I think, did they? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. They did indeed. They were absolutely delighted. They got them on Thursday. Right. <clears throat> So, um, and they said it was, you know, once it was done, it was incredibly efficient and, you know, every, I mean, everyone was extremely happy that the GP had balloons outside his surgery door, which was a nice touch, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, there was generally a kind of festive yeah. feeling They're, about the whole They were thing. excited anyway. Oh, they were excited. I mean, they were thrilled, you know, it's like it's, it's giving them all a feeling of hope, you know, it's giving us all a feeling of hope. Um, Remind me again but, what ages know, they are, Wyon. They're nine, my dad is 91 and my mother is 86. Oh, Not that she'll thank me for saying that on the radio, but... <laughs> yeah, dad doesn't get a choice. <laughs> no, dad doesn't get a choice. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I'm delighted for them. I really am. And when no, your call came brilliant. in, within minutes of your call, we were getting other calls. Yeah, I mean, I funny, I, my brother um, lives quite near GP and he had had exactly the same problem. I had to phone all his patients and say, look... Sorry, didn't didn't arrive. So I like I hope they're getting their I hope they're getting their act together. Well what watching watching your man from the HSE um on primetime last night, he he seemed to be kind of saying, Look, we we're we're doing our best here, we're doing our best here, but but people are getting impatient and you can and you can see why. Why I'm, I'm delighted for you folks. Thanks very much for, for bringing us up to date. Uh, that, that was the first call we got. Um, there were others that day, and now look at it. It's a major national story. Started here uh, on the opinion line the week that they started rolling out the vaccines to the to the elderly. Um, it, hopefully, it'll get sorted. Really, really have to hope it'll get sorted, and and like quickly, not not months. It has to be done in days. Get it sorted. Like there was one yesterday where there was a batch of vaccines arrived at a surgery uh, up the country, and no flipping needles. Like hello. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Quick reminder, Premier League Live back on 96FM.ie tomorrow with Trevor Welsh exclusively online and powered by Talk Sport. Big lineup as always for Trev and the team. Burnley versus Arsenal, half 12. Sheffield United against Southampton. 
at 3 o'clock. Aston Villa versus Wolves, half past five. And Brighton take on Leicester at 8 o'clock. Live commentary and all of those, plus all the usual analysis and interviews and previews and crack with Trevor Welsh. The Premier League live online with Now TV. Stream live Premier League action with Now TV, Sky Sports or Sports Extra Pass. And listen every Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or indeed 96FM.ie. And of course, the Cork's 96FM app is where you can get the podcast of The Opinion Line, which we make available to you every afternoon, bright and early in the afternoon. 1850-715-996, the text or WhatsApp. 83 396 the email opinion at 96fm.ie with some comments in on the summer dining and Mike from the corn store and Cockbull saying look we can do the summer dining but we need some help to prepare for it and we don't need something that will come to come to life in 2022 we need something that will happen in three months time Brian says, great to hear Mike pushing for moves like outdoor dining. But PJ, the biggest problem we have in Cork is that it's on its knees. Half of Cork City is up for lease or gone out of business. It's going to take some push to get Cork going again. Well, Brian, you know, you're not wrong. I wouldn't say half, I'd put a good proportion, I suppose. But what Mike is trying to do and trying to achieve is exactly what will get us up off our knees and out again. Out for a bite, out for a pint out for a bit of when we can go out in the summer we need to be ready to go out to do it safely but he mentioned McCurtain Street I was figuring out what this message meant uh, originally it was written in Greek but I, I think we've, we've figured it out now Mike made reference to McCurtain Street and Ken says what's he talking about McCurtain Street so you can't park there now they made a mess out of it well actually Ken, my friend, I can't wait for things to get open again, for to go down some Friday when I finish here for the week uh, and just have something to eat on those very outdoor dining spaces that they put in place because they look so European and so trendy and by the time the summer comes and a bit of light shining down and a bit of warmth in the air, it's going to be great. It's going to be so nice to say, even if I, 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 a ham and cheese toasty and a coffee on a, on a Friday afternoon down there in McCurtain Street. I can't wait, actually. I really can't. 1850-715-996. We've got a, we're going to talk to, to Lisa, Lisa O'Halloran, who has had a most interesting journey. Lisa decided that she wanted to become a mom. But she wanted to become a mom on her own. And she wanted to have the child using a sperm donor. And she's gone to Instagram to document it stage by stage. And she's got quite a following. She's got nearly 12,000 followers for this on Instagram. And, and, and quite a lot of people are fascinated by the honesty and the openness of what she has been posting. Lisa, Lisa good morning to you. Hi, Peter. How are you? Good. Going through your, your gram there in, in, in the last day or two. Take me right back to the start. When did you decide to do this and why? Um, so I had started, I had always said that if I hadn't met someone by the age of 35 that I was going to look into it. But it was just something that I couldn't get out of my head. And um, I spoke with my sister about it. And, you know, we had a bit of a chat and I went looking into my options. So... 
February 26th of February 2020, I had my first consultation with them in the Gork. Right. How do you go about it? You're a sing- single, single woman, no partner. How do you go about it? So basically just um, what I did in a way is I researched um, fertility clinics closest to me and um, then I went to an, um, an information evening in Sims, they had, this was before COVID happened, it was in January 2020, and they had um, where people could go in and they could meet the doctors and the embryologists and they could see the lab and just the whole Sims and um, they got to speak to everyone in there and gather their options and that. So that's what I did anyway and I decided I wanted to go with Sims um, and I booked my consultation from them. Okay. And is it unusual? Were they surprised to see someone coming in who doesn't have a partner? No, actually. Um, they like It's happened quite a lot, but it's just not spoken about, I think. Yeah. 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 It yeah. does happen more than you think. I think it's gone up 20% in the last year. Yeah. Okay. So, you sat down and did they introduced you to what, what happens? So when I had my consultation, she went through everything and basically, obviously, that I'd, I'd have to go from donor route. Um, she explained about that process and she said that we'd start with what's called an IUI, so intrauterine insemination. So um, basically, that they'd insert a sperm into me just at the right time of the cycle um, with the hopes of me getting pregnant. And um, so that's what we started with. Right. And and that did any any success there? No, so I did um after picking the sperm donor and everything, I did two IUIs and they were negative after it at the pregnancy test was negative. Then I did a third one and it had to be cancelled before um insemination because I didn't my follicles didn't react very well to okay. me, you know. So, so it had to Pencil. Did you then have to decide about IVF? Yeah, so basically I had a repeat consultation with the doctor and she spoke to me about it and she said it's probably best to go with the IVF route next. Um, so that's what she did. She she did up a, a plan for an IVF cycle and we started with a short IVF cycle is what they call it. And um, the kind of the same thing happened. I didn't react very well to meds. My ovaries didn't stimulate very well and it, it was cancelled just before egg retrieval. Yeah. So how are you now? So I then after that she um, came up with another plan and I was to start, I started um, a long IVF cycle so right. it's called a CAP protocol and it went on for about I think it was about 7 or 8 weeks in total and they um, kind of brought me into a temporary state of menopause and brought me back out of it in the hopes that um, things would kind of work a bit better. Mm-hmm. And they did. And I, um, so I went through egg retrieval and they collected three eggs in egg retrieval, which is a very, very low number. I was very disappointed. Um, when they went in for egg retrieval, they couldn't access my left ovary. It was, it's in a really awkward spot, so mm-hmm. they couldn't retrieve the eggs out of it. Um, so anything that was mature there, they couldn't get at it, basically. So they had to work off my right. So there was only three eggs, but all three fertilised. And after five days, I had three five-day embryos. Wow. Um, so then they did a transfer. 
um, of a five-day embryo. And so five days later, they bring you back in for the transfer. And um, I am, at the moment, I'm six weeks pregnant. Ah, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. How does that feel? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Nothing like it. The moment that you get the call to say it's after working, how does that feel? Um, well, I had done a test at home. Right. So uh, we'll say they, they call it the dreaded two-week wait. So you're, you're to wait two weeks before you do the pregnancy test. Yeah. But after a week, I did a test and it was positive. Right. Um, so I knew already. I actually have a video of it up on my Instagram, my reaction to the, to the test. <laughs> and... Um, just like even though you're trying you know even though you know what's going on and you know what you're trying to do it's still a massive shock when you see the positive when you've had so many negatives you know it's um it was just amazing it's the most amazing feeling there was a lot of cursing (laughs) (laughs) happy cursing though happy cursing (laughs) happy cursing (laughs) because there probably had been some sad cursing along the way too had there yeah were there were there were there times when you when you thought about throwing your hat at it um, no, um, like I've always been a very determined person and when I set my sights on something, I'm, uh, you know, I won't stop until I get it really. Yeah. Um, and if I did give up, I, I wouldn't have gotten um, my baby at the end of it. So giving up was never an option for me, really. Yeah. It was just, okay, what do I do next? What's the next plan? And, yeah. you know. Has it been a, a costly process, Lisa? Yes. Um, so in 2020, I spent 12,000 right. on fertility treatment. Right, right. Mm. Yeah. Not as expensive as some people might think. That's like, it's a lot of money, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, yeah. it's great that you're speaking because, like you said at the start, you know, it's not as uncommon as, as, as one might think. No, yeah. no, it's not. Yeah. What? Um, I think it's just, that people don't speak about it as much. Now, I think we're getting there. Do you know, I think Ireland is just a little bit behind. <laughs> but um, we're getting there. It's just uh, the people that do do it, I don't think they're speaking openly about it, really. But it is more common than you think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's um, to, to be where you are now and where you were, say, a year ago. Did you dream of the moment? Yeah, oh, absolutely. No, I didn't think it was going to be as hard as it was. Do you know, I didn't think that I'd have to go through as much treatment because I did all the fertility checks and that and everything was okay, do you know. So there was no reason why it shouldn't work, really. But um, I was blissfully naive, I suppose, before I started it and just thought, oh, this is great, I'll just do one IUI, you know, and yeah. that's job done, do you know. But um, it, it's 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 never as simple as that, really. But... Um, always dreamt of it yeah but I, d- I didn't think it was going to take me a year to get there have you a due date now I have 28th of October oh jazz, around the jazz weekend yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah which hopefully we'll have one this year Lisa yeah. congratulations delighted for you and thank you so much for speaking to me today thank you so much and we can follow you on Instagram my, so- my solo journey to mum that's me all right, take care of yourself. Thanks very much. That's Lisa O'Halloran, six weeks pregnant, all on her own, as they say. 1850-715-996. My solo journey to mom is her Insta. Yesterday we were talking about people who might be repurposing themselves. 
for a new line of work after lockdown. People whose jobs are gone, and God almighty help them, there are so many people whose jobs are gone. People who were in retail, thinking again, I guess, of of the Debenhams people. So, But so many others whose whose jobs are gone and they'll have to try to repurpose themselves and, and find something else to do once this damn thing leaves us alone, which we all hope it will within the next 12 months when we get our jabs and get the numbers down and get back to some sort of normal life uh, before the end of 2020. But what kind of life is a normal life if you had a job at the start of it and you don't have a job now and you kind of have no idea what to do? We do know, though, that with all of us working online and working more from home and shopping more from home and doing those things, the IT business is one that's going to thrive out of lockdown. And how might you get into that, get a job in that, work within that? Let us talk with Katrina Hallahan, who's the MD of Microsoft in, in Ireland. Uh, because obviously Microsoft, one of the biggest tech companies on the planet, uh, they see the benefits of the growth in IT and people want help to get into it. Katrina, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Great, thank you. Delighted to have you on the programme. It is a growth area during the pandemic because of the changes in people's lives and it's set to be, I think, a growth area after it too. Yes, definitely. I mean, we're seeing obviously growth in the, the tech industry, but interestingly enough, technology skills or digital skills, as we we're now calling them, are relevant to every industry. So if you think about retail uh, stores, they're now shopping online. If you think about restaurants, they're doing takeaway and you're ordering online. So mm. every business is a digital business in the future. Or has a digital element to it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And we're all, many of us are learning as we go. Like I, I mean, I'd be reasonably tech savvy myself. I know an awful lot more than I did 12 months ago, but our job has always involved tech. But for people whose job didn't involve tech up to now, can they get in on these opportunities? Absolutely. So we were delighted yesterday to launch our Step Into Tech program in conjunction with Fast Track to IT. So this is a training and skills program that aims to equip 10,000 people with digital skills that will help them transfer to the emerging or in-demand roles in the digital economy. And you don't have to have experience in tech to do these courses. It's aimed at people who have, as you've just been saying, been impacted maybe by the pandemic and have lost their jobs in the retail or hospitality sector, or indeed people who are in a sector that they're finding more Uh, technology is needed to do their jobs so they can go into these courses to upskill. So it's supporting people uh, that are impacted by the pandemic, but equally school leavers or people in their mid-career that want to learn about digital skills. Yeah, because a lot of people, I suppose, don't recognise it, Katrina. They think, oh, I've lost my job and I'm I'm only using Debenhams as an example. So I've lost my job in Debenhams or I've lost my job in retail or any, any other kind of a... Uh, you know, source of work, but I could never do tech. To which I would be inclined to think, hang on a second, you have a tablet, you have a smartphone, you have smart TV, you're a dinger on them all. 
You yeah. can do IT. Am I am I oversimplifying it? No, you're not. You're not. And the courses that we're setting up under Step Into Tech are career starter courses. So they're in areas like productivity. And as you say, you know, people who are already using things like Excel or Word or PowerPoint, you know, they're creating documents or they're um, doing administrative tasks. It's about how to help them enhance those skills. We have coding, so people who are more interested in, in technology but don't know how to code, we're teaching them the basics of cloud and the basics of coding right the way up into infrastructure and design. And the great thing about the Step Into Tech program is we have the, the training is online so people can learn at their own pace. We also have um, what we're calling Fast Track IT have Digi Chaperones, which are going to help the participants complete the course, understand where the career opportunities might be. And then we're, our employees in Microsoft are going to be mentors on the program. So they'll help people with some of the softer skills around CV preparation, how to talk about tech, because sometimes people are afraid of it. Yeah, so it's well, not just a training program. There's more um, support in there for people who might be a little bit more afraid or nervous yeah. to take that first step. Because one of the most difficult things about learning a skill sometimes can be, well look, there are the instructions. We say implementing something new on your on your on your computer at home. There there's there are the instructions written out very clearly. There's the computer. What is so brilliant is to have someone to show you just once how to take those instructions and make them into the operation. Yeah. And that's what we we're finding is that a program like this with those extra supports are really an accelerator for people to um, embrace the the training and to not find it fearful. You reckon up to 10,000 people could benefit from uh, Step Into Tech. How do they get involved? How do they find out more? Yeah, so if they visit www.fit.ie backslash Step Into Tech, all of the information is available for them there. Is there a cost involved? No. This uh, a free program. Good, good. Just a little uh, final chat about yourself, Katrina, uh, MD of, of Microsoft Ireland. As we approach International Women's Day on on Monday, congratulations on rising to the top, as it were. Oh, thank you very Inter- much. Interesting journey has it been? It certainly has. I mean, um, interesting things. To share with your listeners is I didn't go into college after secondary school. I did a secretarial course. I started in a small family uh, company and then I moved into Microsoft in the 1980s and I worked my way um, up to the, the top job here in Ireland. So it's possible for anybody with hard work, good ethics and a willingness to learn and um, to be successful. So, so you weren't a, a, an IT not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Which makes it even a, an even better my, story, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. And my background, um, as I went through my career with Microsoft, they encouraged me to go back and study, and I did my accountancy exam, so I'm an accountant by trade. Wow. Um, but anybody can can get involved in, te- in technology these days, as you say, from the youngest of people yeah. um, to the oldest. You, you, you don't have to be a nerd to be, to be head of Microsoft in Ireland. Absolutely not. Wow. <laughs> Congratulations on that, at least. And uh, once again, that address, email address that people can look into more for, for the Step Into Tech. 
Yeah, www.fit.ie backslash step into tech. All right, Katrina Hallahan from Microsoft Ireland. Thank you so much for being with us on the opinion line. 1850-715-996. Now there, if you never heard it anywhere else again, don't let anyone tell you that you can't get to the very top of the tree without first going to university or doing some posh degree. You can. She did. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, still stuff coming in about the rally for truth tomorrow, which, to just repeat it, the organisers are insisting will go ahead, despite. A very public plea this morning from Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinners for them, please, please, please do not do this. Despite an appeal to them from the Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Joe Kavanagh, on this programme this morning, for them to think again and not go ahead with it. Let us listen again. As I said before, he doesn't speak to this program, um, he, but he did speak to the newsroom here at Cork's 96FM. The spokesperson for the organisers is Dermot O'Kyla, and uh, he spoke with Barry O'Mahony about tomorrow's event. It will be peaceful. We are condemning the violence that took place in Dublin last week. We will be vigilant on it ourselves. We are liaising with the Gardaí. If we see any hint of potential trouble, we will be pointing it out to the Gardaí. Mm-hmm. We are not interested in that kind of nonsense. Um, it is a peaceful event. Um, there will be speakers. There will be music. It will be a family-friendly event. Um, people shouldn't come if, they're, if they feel at risk themselves. People, if, if they want to wear masks, they're welcome. Do you feel that by just you know, encouraging people to come and join a rally like this, it's sending out the wrong message? Well, it... it the, the gathering that we're going to have isn't what's caused um, the, the health crisis we're in. It hasn't caused the neglect in the care homes, which once again are experiencing a spike of deaths. So we're not the cause of it, and won't be. There are countries in Europe, Poland, Norway, Malta, uh, Greece, for example, Hungary, Finland, they've never, ever had a lockdown, and they're doing okay. You've had contact from the Gardaí. What's their request to you been in relation to the convention organising this rally for Saturday? Well, the Gardaí have asked me to convey to the organisers that they would prefer it be cancelled. And I've, I've done that. And the answer is negative. It has not been cancelled. The event is to proceed. So they're refusing the request of the Gardaí. And they have been appealed to by the Lord Mayor. And they have been pleaded with by Katrina Toomey. And if, by the way, if you go on Facebook uh, to Katrina's page and read what she wrote last night, it's as eloquent and as passionate as I've ever, ever read. And she spoke on the opinion line this morning in the same eloquent and passionate way that she always does about why it shouldn't go ahead. 
The march in town tomorrow is contrary to all the sacrifices and all the efforts that responsible people have made over the past 12 months. It also goes against the advisory of large crowds gathering in any area, says John. It's not even large crowds, John. Under level five, and you can't overstress this, under level five gatherings, public gatherings are forbidden. Under level five. So tomorrow's rally... They insist it's a rally, not a protest. I don't know the difference. Maybe I'm just thick, I don't know. They reckon, or they say, it's a peaceful family event. It's not allowed under level 5 restrictions. It may have been allowed under level 3. I don't know if level 3 were in place. We've never been in level 4. We were in level 2 for a while. Under level 2 or 3, it may be allowed. I don't know. But certainly under level 5, not Allowed. John says, I believe, uh, okay, that's a different one. Uh, PJ says, this march can't happen. The Gardaí must stop it. Have I no rights? We've all played by the rules. Will Cork have to suffer the result of this in two weeks when the numbers go up? 1850-715-996. Any more of your thoughts between this and 12? We'll, we'll, we'll take them. Very much the pressure mounting on the organisers to not go ahead as we speak. And at this time, there is no change in their stance. They're still insisting that it will go ahead. What I'd love, actually, <laughs> putting my head over the par. what I'd love is if they got about eight of them tomorrow, if they ended up down there with about eight of them, I think I'd, it would be brilliant. I'd prefer they didn't do it at all. But if they went ahead and got about eight of them, it would be great. Like. On the HSE and vaccines and my conversation with Wyon about his elderly parents who've got their jabs now, Dennis says, I was on the radio with PJ before saying that the HSE isn't fit for purpose. He had very little time for arguments. Well, I'm not too sure about that, Dennis. I've always said that the HSE is the political millstone around Michal Martin's neck. It should never have happened in the first place. It was a monster that was created that is weighing us all down since. We had 11 health boards doing a grand job. Anyway, anyway. Now, now says Dennis, he's shocked they're making a mess of the vaccines. The relatives of the people who died in nursing homes should consider suing the government for the lack of vaccines over Christmas because I'm pretty sure... If we'd asked AstraZeneca, they would have facilitated us with a few thousand needed for our Christmas disaster, whether by license or otherwise. We should now be vigorously buying all the vaccines and all the gear needed to deliver and dose the people. But they're not really the interest in it. The government and HSC have other things on their minds. I just don't disagree with you for a second, Dennis. I think waiting for Europe to be the only supplier, the EU to be the only supplier, is crazy. I see here, though, that uh, the the Minister for Health, this is just a by-the-by, it's in this morning's Times, Irish Times, Stephen Donnelly has said that Ireland might ask other European countries to share stockpiled COVID vaccines amid concern about AstraZeneca's reliability. And there's certainly a a bit of a um, kickback happening now over the or across the EU where Italy blocked a shipment of a quarter of a million doses of AstraZeneca that were supposed to go to Australia and there's something on the wires this morning from France where France may well block the export of AstraZeneca until it's got all of it what it was supposed to have but uh, thank you very much 
Um, yeah, uh, I think I, I, I presume you mean Simon Coveney also said we won't be going down the road of the Soviet or the Chinese vaccine. Well, why not? By all accounts, the Soviet vaccine, the Sputnik, is a f- an absolute humdinger, and the Chinese one uh, is is a humdinger too. So why why can't we just buy everything? If there's twenty vaccines, just buy the twenty damn vaccines, as long as they pass muster. Why doesn't the EU check them? If, the, if they're licensed by the FDA in the States or if they're licensed everywhere else, why don't we just give them an emergency? Just roll the damn thing. Get our people jabbed. It's a bit of a song in that, isn't it? Get our people jabbed. 1850-715-996. Paul, PJ, he states they'll be having music and dancing. Never mind the gathering, but a feckin' party on Pana. That's an up yours. The guy that you should dismantle this gathering before it gets out of hand. Uh, PJ, how can Mr. O'Kyla state he is liaising with Gardaí? Read the march. Sure, there won't be any liaising. It's not allowed. Full stop. We're in lockdown. They're undoing all the hard work done so far and contradicting exactly what their aim is. They're anti-lockdown, but their actions will cause another. God almighty, it's exhausting to have to put up with that way of thinking. I was wondering, are all these protests tomorrow willing to sign away their rights to an ICU bed? or indeed any medical treatment, and their families, if and when they get COVID. Uh, Dermot wants to save the country. I'll tell him now, save the country. Stay at home. Is he having a laugh? 1850-715-996. Well, with 23 minutes left in this Friday's opinion line, there's no move on to cancel it tomorrow. They are insisting that it will go ahead. If you want to call it open defiance, you can call it that. The Guardian have asked me to convey to the organisers that they would prefer it be cancelled. And I've, I've done that, and the answer is negative. It has not been cancelled. I started off this morning, I got the bus in uh, this morning, and I got off and I was walking uptown, grabbed a coffee, and walking up through Patrick Street and up over Patrick's Bridge. And as I stepped onto Patrick's Bridge, I was just nearly blown out to the western suburbs by the sight that behold me, which was the sun rising at just the right time of the morning. And I stayed there and I watched it and I looked and I just thought that is so fantastic. The positivity that I got in that four or five minutes I spent on Patrick's Bridge this morning at around about twenty past quarter past twenty past seven. That'll take me through the whole weekend. There's nothing can darken my mood for the rest of the weekend. Well, well... Maybe. Anyway. Brought me back to something that happened on the programme last week. We were talking this day last week about saying thank you to people for the most, you know, ordinary things. And we got some lovely ones. And for people who just wanted to thank someone who did something positive for them. Sometimes people who didn't even know they were doing it. And just as we were going off the air, the phone rang and someone wanted to mention this lady who's a regular on the opinion line and one of the most popular and upbeat of our regular contributors. The message was we'd like to, I'd like to thank Glamity Jane for her Twitter presence. I'm personally in a very isolated situation for the past year. She lifts my spirits on a daily basis. She's so funny, warm and kind to her followers and has created a wonderful space. And I'm thinking, yeah, I don't know her. She's a lightened devil and she's great cracking. She's on the line. Hi, Mary Jane. 
Hi, PJ. How are you doing? Great. <laughs> and I would agree because you've made you've made me laugh almost every day with with social media. And I introduced it by telling people about my experience this morning because we want to focus a little bit on the positivity. Yes. Because it can be a horrible old dark cesspit at times. You know what? I've been. I listen to you um, in while I'm working from home in the mornings, and you know, you you've said a few times that your um, blocking finger has arthritis in it, and you're right. Like I think social media gets such a bad rap, um, and with good reason. And Twitter can be that kind of cesspity type place. But like I just got into the mentality a while back of not, trying not to kind of get get in the ring with people that were talking about politics and stuff not because I'm not interested in it or because I don't have an opinion on it it's just something that I would discuss with my friends and family rather than a load of lunatics yeah. do, do yeah. you know where I'm coming from it's completely different for you because you're uh, you're, you're, you are the opinion line so you know people are firing their opinions at you left, right and centre and they're, you know, and they're giving out to you for having an opinion even though they want their opinion heard. You know, well, you know, you know the definition of bias in this world, don't you, Mary Jane? It says you said something I don't agree with so you're horribly biased. But, but like, come back to the, 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 the positivity of your own posts. Like someone yes. says they're in a very isolated situation and you lift them. How do you feel about that? Like, that, that makes me feel really happy because that is why I'm on social media. Um, I, like... From my own perspective, I, I'm very lucky and I'm very blessed that as a person, I'm an eternal optimist. I, I try and see the good in everything. And I have been in a place for a very brief, uh, and there's a blog post coming on that, where I wasn't in such a good place for a little while. Mm. Um, and so I understand that kind of feeling of like, you know, hopelessness or a little bit of loneliness. And like people have their own reasons for, you know, for feeling bad or, you know, and I just try not to judge people. And I get a lot of DMs as well from people on mm. Twitter, you know, saying I'm having a bad day. And like, I did notice as the pandemic was progressing that people were were being a bit more vocal. And I was happy to see that people were able to say, lads, I'm having a bad day. Could someone send me a picture of their dog or their cat? Yeah. So then I started asking these really outrageous questions. And the response has been like, Phenomenal. Now, some of them are a little bit uh, risque. Well, not even, they're not even risque. They're just funny. They're funny risque. They're not dirty. They're, they're not intended to be dirty. But the amount of engagement, like one of the tweets reached 1.5 million people, which, what? you know, is is like... What was that Blew one? my mind. Like, I was like... What was that was, one? You know, it was the one, what's something that you can say um, in a pub and... Oh, yeah, I love those yeah. ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they're funny. And, like, look, you know, people, obviously, there's, you know, you get the one or two smutty people, but mostly people are, you know, realise that it's kind of meant to be, like, a little bit of innuendo and stuff. There was, and then, there was one where you said, was it, did you, was it you came up with the one, what is something you can say at a funeral and also while you're having sex? Yeah. yeah. And I said, was, Mary Jane. I know. <laughs> and lots of people, like, and, you know, it's, it's it like... It's hilarious. A, it's, it's a little bit bold, but it's a little bit fun. And it's something that, you know, it's not well, You come back for tea and sandwiches afterwards, like... Yeah, that, that was it, yeah. Those were the kind of things that I was getting, like, yeah, you know, um, it, it, yeah, it was funny, you know, um, or is your sister going too, and all, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it, it was all fun, like, it's all fun. 
Yeah. And then there were the other things that I was asking, like, like you know, and sometimes I, I'll say things and it, it's only to get, like, a fun reaction out of people. And some people take it seriously and I say to them, no, I, I don't mean it like that. Like, I say sometimes things like, um, you know, all men do is use the good shampoo and light. And then you'll have all the men coming on going, but sure, like, I'm only using it to wash my underarms. I have no hair in my head and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's just fun. And it just means that, like, people maybe are interacting with each other that mightn't have interacted before. And it's meant to be a fun thing. Because I did notice, like, as the pandemic was progressing, people were kind of feeling like they were giving up a little bit. You know, they were just like, and we were talking about this in the office and we're going to start a thing uh, separately called Don't Give Up. Um, and it, it's just kind of, it'll just be uh, like something where a uh, kind of a positivity place. And mm. um, we'll have more on it. But um, I, I just think it is important to have like just to, to, to engage with people in a fun way. And I, like I, I said to you before, I opened that Twitter tavern where, you know, people were telling me what they wanted to drink. And then, like, I was asking people what's the first thing that they're going to do during, you know, once the pandemic is over and, you know, what's the first meal that they're going to have. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's fun. And I love engagement. And I can't get back to all the tweets individually because some of them have four and five thousand replies. So, you know, I I can't get back to everyone individually, but I try and kind of make sure that I'm following people. And, And, like, I had gotten a few DMs as well from people saying, look, you know, I don't know what to do or, you know. And you, I, I'm not in a place that I can give people advice. All I can do is give people fun. And that's kind of what I'm doing. Yeah. And that, and that's really important because yeah. I like the, the idea of the positivity. Like one of the things, one of the reasons that I would just whip my, my phone out of my pocket this morning to take a picture of that sunrise. I saw it. It was gorgeous. It's, it's not because it was a beautiful sunrise. The sun comes up every day. But nothing that this pandemic does to us can take that away from us. Absolutely, absolutely. And that and meant so much to me individually. And, you know, I, I go out walking quite a lot and I'm down the marina. I was laughing. I was saying that, um, you know, obviously I live near the marina, so I, I, but I try and go there when it's not busy. And look, you can avoid people walking the middle of the road if you have to. I'll take my chances with a car <laughs> if you have time. But, um, I, and I, I walk quite a lot and I walk quite a lot early morning. I'm like, I'm like you, I, I like getting out and, um, I like it is sometimes something will will absolutely stop you in your tracks and you just think there is nothing in this world that can stop this from happening you know and it's, it, it is such an amazing an amazing thing and sometimes I even find if I'm in the supermarket and there's this, like a child giggling or something I get kind of joy in that even though I'm not a particularly massive fan of children <laughs> I get it. I get a bit of a, a, a little bit of a joy from from those kind of things, and I, I find kids funny. Like yeah. I think they're funny, and I love I love seeing people's children. Like I love when people when people put up, you know, like silly things that their children say. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be photos or anything or videos, but you know, they'll say, you know, I was homeschooling my child today, and this. And I think like a lot of people were homeschooling, and 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 it was it's it's just been a really kind of weird year. And I've spent a lot of the time at home, you know, the same as everyone else. So I just thought it would be fun. And it's so nice that someone appreciates it because, you know, sometimes you know yourself being on social media. I feel like I, you know, maybe tweeting out into the void a little bit at times. But it's nice to know that there are other people there. And it's it's good to know as well. Like I see I'm a bit of an insomniac and I see a lot of other insomniacs online at the same time that I am. 
And I'd be saying, God, you know, you'd wonder, like, how lonely people are or how they're feeling, you know? Mm. But you know what they say about being an insomniac? One thing, positive thing about being an insomniac. There's only seven sleeps for Christmas. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mary Jane, it's always, always fun to talk to you. Yeah, you too. Keep it up. It's great. You too. You too. Bye bye. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. The best one actually that I saw uh, for that funeral. She said things you can do, things you can say when you're having sex, and at a funeral. Tisn't the same with only six of us. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Now, one brief call to finish. Uh, I have to mention someone very special before I finish out today, but one very brief call. John, good morning. Hello. Hi. You're, yeah, going, hi. you're going tomorrow. That's right, yeah. I'm Why? going tomorrow. Well, I'm concerned. I'm concerned because we don't have, um, you know, people who think we're like me, and there's, there's a lot of us at the moment that don't believe in lockdowns. And we don't have, we, our opinion isn't being heard. We don't have any backing from media, and we have zero backing from government or even the opposition in government. No one's talking about it. You know what I mean? That like, lockdowns don't work. You know, you can look at other countries around the world. You can look at Florida. Florida is wide open. There's 21 million people living in Florida, and it's all, it's actually peak season at the moment, mm-hmm. and it's wide open. President Biden has said that's madness, by the way. Well, you know, but their their figures are lower than New York and California. At the moment. Yeah, at the moment, still at the moment, what? It's been there since September. Like that since September. Sweden is open. And their figures are disastrous. Longest lockdowns. And they keep moving the goalposts too. Every time it was meant to be March, then it was April 5th. Yeah. Now we're here in the end of June. Fine. Do you I know, mean, well or not? No, no one, John, no one has said the, the end of June. Do you not accept, though, that it's dangerous? together in large numbers at the moment? I would say it's been, it's blown out of proportion. Like, if you look at Florida, they're on the beaches, there's, their pubs are open. Massachusetts, that's got 6.8 million people, and it's wide open. Now, they have, they have lockdowns, but they don't lock down the business completely. They have three different tiers. I'll give you another example. Look at, look at Australia, where they did this properly, and they have their lives back. Look, you, I know you keep mentioning Australia too. My, Australia has turned into a police state. I've seen a woman heavily pregnant. She's like seven, eight months pregnant, getting arrested because she posted something on Facebook about lockdowns. You keep mentioning um, Australia, and it's literally turning into a police state. Well, yeah. not, not, not from the people it, that have called this show from Perth to say, do this, lads, and uh, get your lives. I can see, you cannot mention anything that opposes vaccinations or lockdowns. Well, I, mean, I haven't seen that anywhere. These are being rolled out now. But anyway, you're, you're, you're going tomorrow. Are you prepared to take the risk for your family and friends that you won't make them sick? Listen, like, look, look. And that's the question. It's yes or no. Yes, yeah. Like 99.97 of us recover from this. Not true. Do you understand? Not it's only true. Like, I've, seen, I've seen an article yesterday on the Times. It's only, they're very sick. People with... I think so they're okay. They're, they're dispensable, are they? No, I wouldn't say that. 
But what should happen is they should be protected. How? Take the, they How can you when the virus is in the community? Pardon? How can you when the virus is in the community? You can't just hold them up forever so they never come out again. That, that's exactly what you're asking no, no. to do. They take the vaccination. When, you're yeah. going to force everybody now to take a vaccination that has been... I've like, never said that. Pardon? I've never said that. I'm not but forcing that's what anybody that to take. That's what the health passport is. You're bringing out this health passport. Well, you're you have to get alone. vaccinated to go to Africa with many things. Yeah, but... The yeah, but what? Right? There's a, there is a thing. I, that's a good point. Right? The yellow fever vaccine. What's wrong with that? Yeah, but the, those vaccinations have been rigorously tested. So has this one. The technology, the technology is 10 years old. John, I look, go along, by all means. You don't go with my blessing or with the blessing of my listeners, but if you think you're going to go, go. That's all I can say. Um, thank you, John. 1850-715-996. Before I go, I want to mention somebody very special to all of us here at 96FM. She posted on her Facebook yesterday that she's had a little bit of a setback. And that is our much-loved colleague and friend, Elmarie Maugh. Uh, as you know, Elmarie has been battling with ovarian cancer. And she's had a little bit of a setback. She's having treatment. She's had a little bit of surgery. And she's going for uh, radiation and all of that. And she posted yesterday, this is where she is. And uh, she just wants a little bit of support. And she's getting it. And she's delighted with the support that she is getting. But I just wanted to say, before we finish up, today on the opinion line that uh, Elmarie, your radio family sends our love. That's it, the programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Have a good weekend. Take great pleasure in small things. See you Monday just after nine. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code GLOW.